Welcome into another episode of Armchair GMs. I'm Tommy Tellerino, and alongside me today is Jordan Navarro. Jordan, how are you doing on this amazing Tuesday afternoon? Uh, extremely tired. Had a long night, but we're good. I'm excited. I'm here. I'm giving energy today to the best of my ability while we review what was a pretty, uh, Exciting week three. We had some great storylines developed this week. Yes, we did. I mean, I will say, um, you know, fantasy football, it's a full-time job. So you're probably up late at night looking at the waiver wire, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, you know, if, yeah. if, if, I'm, not, if, I'm, you know, if, if I'm not watching the game, yeah, if I'm not managing who, my team, who is? Someone else you know? is. So exactly. You got to get the one up on everyone. Exactly. So you got I respect the grind. Thank you for joining in today. Even, you know, it's, it's hard some days after <laughs> long nights awake. Um, yes, of just course. Doing all the research, doing the dynasty draft research and everything. So thank you. But uh, we'll, we'll start right away. And we, we got to talk about, I mean, the amazing performance that happened. Was that game in Miami, right? Yeah. I mean, I it was, was it, listen, Listen, I said it might turn into a boat race when we picked it. And I said it, I'd take the Dolphins in a boat race, but Tommy, it was hot. That was a jet uh, ski. It, it, you know, it was it was a warm day out there in Miami. Yeah. But nobody was lighting up and making it hot more than the Miami offense. Um That was without Jalen Waddle, I want to say, before we get into listen, this. Listen, they were they were three points away from breaking the NFL scoring record, which sits at seventy two. They had seventy and were in field goal yeah. range and they didn't kick the field goal. Because they said they weren't trying to embarrass the Broncos. I I yeah. I wanna they they, they, they you put up seventy on them. Okay. Would you have kicked it? Yes. You would have? Okay. But here here's the argument, right? They were up like four yeah. going going into the fourth quarter, right? So all yeah. they were doing was running the ball in the fourth quarter. And I understand that kneeing it every possession would have been very disrespectful in the fourth quarter. So I get what they're coming from from there. But at that point, you're never gonna have another chance to really break the record. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know this team. <laughs> Well, if with the way they're saying it, right? Yeah, they didn't yeah. kick it because it was. What's it going to be? Seventy to sixty-seven one day? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're never going to have a game like that, likely, right? So you might as well kick the field goal, break the record there. It is what it is, right? Uh, but let's get into the specifics, Tommy. Yeah, break it down from a fundamental standpoint for us, uh, Mister Navarro. I mean, they, they had everything working. Uh, this was Devin A-Chain, we, or A-Chan, sorry, he doesn't want to go by A-Chain. Uh, he was out the first couple weeks, and they finally got him healthy in the rotation this week with Salvin Ahmed out. He was a catalyst. Uh, we knew he had speed. We knew what type of back he was. 18 for 203, two touchdowns on the ground. He had four catches for uh, 30 yards. He had two more touchdowns through the air. Tommy, this offense had 350 yards rushing. And 376 yards passing. Now, I just said Devon A-Chain, 18 for 203. 18 for 203 is insane with two touchdowns. And then 30 through the air with two more touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, who's the lead back, said, whatever. 13 for 82 for him with three touchdowns. And he had seven for 60 through the air for a touchdown. 
before all that happened, Tyreek Hill in the first quarter had like 100 yards in the first quarter. He had 9 for 157 in a touchdown. Tua overall goes 23 of 26. Did not have an incompletion until the third quarter. 309 yards passing, four touchdowns. Tommy, they were up. The starters were out with like five minutes left in the third quarter. Michael White came comes in. Two for two, 67 yards. He threw a touchdown to Robbie Chosen, formerly known as Robbie Anderson, formerly known as Chosen Anderson. One for 68 and a touchdown. I, They had everything working. The guy that they brought in in the fourth quarter, Chris Brooks, their third running back, to em- empty the clock out, he had a 52-yard rush as well. He had nine for 66 on the ground. I, I've never seen an offense get this hot. I, everything they were calling, everything Mike McDaniels called worked. Every single play. It it looked like a college offense. It looked like a college game in general, like the tune-up games. That's what it reminded me of. I mean, like you said, everything was clicking on every aspect of the game. One thing I do want to say throughout the three weeks in general, this Miami offensive line has done a really good job in protecting Tua. I believe he's only been sacked one time throughout all three games. I mean, they're giving him time in the pocket. He's getting the ball out super fast. They handed it in the backfield. I mean, it's already a first down within like three seconds. I mean, it's a scary offense, and we saw what they could do. Denver, the state of Colorado has just had a bad weekend. You know, when you look at what Oregon did to Colorado, and then Miami just did that against the Broncos. Man, I mean, it was an exciting game if you're a Miami fan and football fan in general. I don't know if you saw the the Dolphins fans. They have a tradition. After every score, they take a shot oh, of tequila. Oh, I did see that on yeah. Twitter. Yes, I did. I hope ten, they're okay. Ten shots of tequila that day. I hope they were not driving home. That would be no bueno. But, um, I mean, I, I'm excited for this matchup next week between Miami and Buffalo. I think this that'll be a very exciting game. I'm wondering if um the offense stays hot against that Buffalo defense. But uh, I, I want to talk about Denver for a couple seconds because I – you probably saw the Sean Payton press conference where um, he's like, yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. And then I, do you know what the exact question was that he was asked? I, I do not. It was like they wanted they're talking about bringing up the fact that it was a historic loss. And he was kind of like, yeah, I know it's embarrassing. And he's like, I, that's all I want to talk about it right now. And then, um, I mean, if you're Denver, where do you go from here? Um, well, you're getting a win next week because <laughs> you play the Bears and you just had there 70 are, put on you. They're well, our favorite. You, yes, you had 70 put on you. You got raced off of the field and then you are going on the road to Chicago and opening as a two and a half point favorite. What does that say about the Bears? <laughs> that mean, that's dysfunctional out there in Chicago as always. So. I uh, I didn't think they looked horrible in the first half. I just have never seen a team less interested in tackling and playing the correct coverage. I I mean, they just the the, the amount of preparation that Miami does and how well they execute every play and what the Denver defense did last week or this week last week was horrendous it was a horrendous matchup for them they didn't tackle well 
they obviously didn't cover anybody. I, I mean, anybody. Uh, Patrick Sertain was getting Cooked. his butt handed to him yeah. all day. I mean, they let Robbie Chosen Anderson come in, and he beat him for a 68-yard touchdown. So, and that's a guy that is bouncing around the league now. Can't get beat by that guy. But, I mean, when the game was close, so pretty much tip-off, um, you know, the first <laughs> quarter, it didn't look horrible for Denver. I um, Obviously, I'm not even going to go over the stats, because their stats aren't even worth mentioning, because, I mean, after the second quarter, it was garbage time for an entire half. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I I don't know where you go from here, right? Like, what can you tell your guys? Because this is a team you're going to have to beat in the playoffs, right? I mean, they're 0-3 now. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But, like, this was a team coming in. You're you're hoping to make the playoffs as Denver. That's what a playoff team looks like. You're not even close. Yeah. So I don't know what Sean Payton can do. You hope to keep the guys motivated. You hope to keep them together. Guys, don't you don't want guys to start playing for you know bonuses and accolades and stats in week four. You got a long season ahead of you. So hopefully you go into Chicago, get yourself a win, and you go from there. Yeah, they um they desperately need that win. You know, you look at Sean Payton's track record as a coach and you know, he he's a, he did a tremendous job in New Orleans. You know, he's trying to change that culture in Denver. A loss like this is not helping it at all. But I will say I I don't think there's a, an offensive problem from this game because they once you're down that big, you got to throw the ball almost every play if you even want to yep. get it within a four possession game at that point defense like he said they they just they didn't want to be out there it looked like and I get I get it you're already down big and then the weather's a probably a huge factor it's, you know like you said it, it was hot there and they yeah. had a, yeah they had a lot of turnovers like in their on their own side of the field which led to a lot of the touchdowns at Miami yacht as well yeah. so situational football was not good for them either I mean it's yeah and then you know you and like last year it was it was primarily an offensive problem for Denver, I felt like, because their defense, I thought, was still solid. It kept them in a lot of games. Now it's like they may have problems on both sides of the ball. So it's it's very tricky. But um, that that was our AFC team of the week. Um, there were also other well, good AFC teams, we will say. But yeah, and you know we this this game was so so historic. Yeah. We'll just highlight the entire team. We I mean, you, if we wanted AFC Player of the Week, both of us are going to pick a player off Miami. Yeah. So just to get them out of the way, they get the team of the week. There, every player on their team probably deserves an offensive yeah. player of the week award. Uh, but we like to cover the entire NFL. I do you want to read off the stats one more time for uh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Noteworthy. I mean, I'm not going to go through every receiver, yeah. but noteworthy. Tua, 23 of 26 for 309 yards, four touchdowns. Again, did not have an incompletion until the third quarter. Devon A. Chain, 18 for 203, two touchdowns. He had four for 30 through the air with also two touchdowns. Raheem Mostert, seven for 60 through the air with a touchdown. Also had 13 for 82 on the ground with three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 9 for 157 with a touchdown. And with the backups, Mike White and Robbie Chosen connect for a 68-yard touchdown. I mean, I'll also, we did forget to mention uh, the two of right hand behind no-look pass for a touchdown. Oh, uh, yeah. That I, play, uh, okay, this was the last thing, because that play call was, it had me excited. Uh they lined up 
They motion the tight end from out wide in across the formation. They run a fake handoff to Raheem Mostert. And then at the same time as the tight end's motioning, they motion A-Chain, who was in the slot, behind them as well to get a lead blocker. And then they do a fake little toss off. I mean, it was it was beautifully designed. Um, Mike McDaniels was... This reminds me, which, yeah, I mean, this reminds me of the Cleveland game from 2019 that the 49ers had. That Monday night game going into Cleveland, Kyle Shanahan's, like, first four or five run plays went for, like, 30, 40 yards. I think Matt Breida had, like, a 75-yard touchdown. Everything he touched that day was golden, and that was a Mike McDaniels. That's what he had going on the entire day. I mean, that... I feel like, you know, that was a, a big game for him coming in. You know, he was a ball boy for the Denver Broncos growing up, so he he probably wanted, you know, make his presence known. But I didn't know this. When Mike McDaniels was interviewing for the Miami job, uh, the Denver job was also open. They didn't even give him an interview. So, that, I nope. mean, he took it personally, and he put up 70. I mean, what a performance all around by Miami. Uh, Jordan, I'll have you go first. Who was your NFC team of the week? So, NFC Team of the Week for mine, we could have talked about the Cardinals, um, but I'm just going to keep it for the team that I thought was most impressive, and I'm going to sound like a homer, but they were, the 49ers. We haven't talked about them in a minute because they played Thursday, but to remind everybody, they beat the Giants at home 30-12. to It was a all-around good performance for them. Uh, they took care of business. They looked like one of the best 3-4 teams in football. Some of the outstanding performances on that team, uh, that that game. Debo had six for one twenty nine in a touchdown. McCaffrey had eighteen for eighty five in a touchdown. He also had five for thirty four through the air. Brock Purdy overall finished twenty five of thirty seven, three ten, uh, three hundred ten yards, two touchdowns. Defensively, they had two sacks, four tackles for loss. They stifled the entire Giants offense, and they took care of business. I mean, they did. I- I know it wasn't a blowout um, on the scoreboard, but it, I felt like after that first drive by San Francisco, the first quarter maybe, I don't know, something, they just kind of like sucked the life out of the Giants, it felt like, and it was it was very slow, methodical game, and everyone was getting involved. Ayuk was out too, and everyone just stepped up. Good, good win overall, and honestly, they're probably – I the one or two in the NFC for best teams, you know, at Philly going in, uh, I thought they didn't look as good. They played really good against Tampa. I think they're kind of getting their mojo back. Uh, Detroit had a really good game in the NFC. I'm trying to think of other teams uh, before I name mine. I think that was about it. That really stood out to me. I went, I I went with Arizona for team of the week just because. Uh, the past two weeks, they're going into the end of the first half. They're up, you know, and they, they end up blowing it in the second half. This week, it was the same story. They came out hot, especially in the run game. I mean, Josh Dobbs broke off a major run on the first drive. James Conner was doing their thing. They almost put up 200 rushing yards in the first half on that Dallas defense. And what I was impressed with is the coaching in the second half because it felt like they – they made the right adjustments, which those first two games, they just couldn't, they couldn't adjust well. You know, everyone stepped up. This is a huge win for them. You know, this was, the backs were against the wall. Everyone thought Dallas was walking out with a win. Arizona, they played well. J- 
Josh Dobbs, uh, you know, he did his best version of a game manager that I've ever seen him do. I mean, it solidified his role until maybe next year if uh, Caleb Williams is on the board for him. Um, he's 17-21, 189 yards and a touchdown. James Conner, uh, 14 carries, 98 yards. Uh, Hollywood Brown led the way for receiving five catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. Um, other than that, no one else really got that involved in the passing game. But defensively, you know, they did their job. They had a, a great job for the red zone defense. Ended up holding Dallas to, I believe, one score in the red zone, maybe a field goal too. So overall, huge win for them, huge upset there in Arizona. I do want to uh, highlight that Rondell Moore, I love the way they got him involved in that game. He had a rushing touchdown from 45 yards out. and. You know, I always make fun of the Jonathan Gannon because of the first time he saw his players and he's talking about explosives. Yeah. But giving him credit, they they have schemed a very good game plan so far to get Marquise Brown open, uh, to get Rondell Moore involved. Joshua Dobbs, I mean, they're using his legs, which are the last couple stops when he's been you know, thrust into a starting yeah. role. I've I didn't know he was this athletic. You know, um, so Kyler's coming back at some point this year. Probably, I would say in the next six weeks, Kyler Murray will be starting and they might run up three, four wins this season. And there's an argument to be made that they might be three and oh right now with Kyler Murray starting. So maybe this roster is a little bit further ahead than we thought, or at least the coaching is better than we thought it was going to be because I will be honest, I was a big detractor of of Jonathan Gannon. I was not a fan uh, of the hire at all. He's kind of proven me wrong so far. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say that I'm wrong yet, but I will admit, up until this point, he has done a good job. We'll see what they do in the off season and for the rest of the season. But uh, Kyler Murray is going to come back, and it's looking more and more likely that Caleb Williams will not be in Arizona next year. Yeah, um, if if you are Arizona, though, say, you know, the next six weeks does not go your way at all. Do you do you throw Kyler out there early, or do you try and push that well, date I, a little back listen, more? I don't think that you go into your first year as a head coach and say, we want to lose as much as possible. They That's are trying fair. to build a culture there. They are trying to change what feels like the last five, six years of just mediocrity out of that system. They're trying to flush all that out. Uh, apparently, Kyler Murray has bought in. We'll see, obviously, once he gets back on the field and everything. But if he really has bought in, you want that guy out there. And you want him to get reps going into next season. Because, you know, one win, let's say they pick up two or three more Josh Dobbs. Even even after the six weeks, yeah. right? Let's say down the stretch they pick up two or three more, and you've kept Kyler Murray out. Well, then you just kept him out for a full season, and you really didn't need to because you're not going to get Caleb Williams anyway. Yeah, and I know the argument is Kyler's expensive. You could get a rookie quarterback. I understand all that, but to me, Kyler is a very capable NFL quarterback. Is he? Does he have the ceiling of a Caleb Williams? I think there's an argument to be made that he does because we've seen Kyler at his peak. He was very accurate. He makes plays. Uh, I understand he's not Jonathan Gannon's guy, so if Jonathan Gannon wants to go out and get his guy, I completely understand that. 
But to sit here and say that Kyler Murray is bad or that he doesn't have a high ceiling or that, you know, it's it's ludicrous to me. Because honestly, if you're looking at Kyler Murray against anybody else that's not Caleb Williams coming in as a prospect, Kyler Murray was a better prospect than all these guys. And he's already proven that he can be good in the NFL. So, I mean, what are you really accomplishing? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the point where he's more expensive than a rookie quarterback. I will say, say, um, you know, things go right leading into next year and free agency as well. They get their guys that they want. You know, they maybe they make a big splash. Um, even with Caleb Williams, it's going to take time for him to reach that ceiling. Where Kyler, it's probably easier for him starting in that role to get you to that wild. Probably not going to be an NFC West title right away, but get you back in the playoffs with that wild card spot. So I think in that situation, I I think it's okay if he's expensive over the rookie, just because it's going to take a while for any of the rookie, even Caleb Williams, to reach that ceiling. Um, you want to go defense or offense next? Let's talk about defensive players of the week. Let's go back to the AFC. I want to talk about Miles Garrett because boy, oh that boy, boy is he. He, listen, he's reached a new level this year. I've never seen a defensive player cause a delay of game. Yeah. Like the way Miles Garrett did. So, for those who didn't watch, Tennessee came into the game knowing that their offensive line is horrendous. Okay? They they came in knowing that their tackles had no chance against Miles Garrett. So, their game plan was to play 12 personnel with two tight ends and have both of the tight ends lined up on whichever side Miles Garrett was at. They're going to chip him. They're going to, you know, double team him. They're going to do everything in their power to slow him down from getting to Ryan Tannehill. Okay, that was their game plan. Let me tell you how their game plan went. Miles Garrett had three and a half sacks. He had had three and a half sacks, and they did that the entire game. And on one play, he lined up on the right side. They had both the tight ends there. He then went across the formation, shifted his defensive line to the right, and he went to the left side. And the tight ends followed him over there. And he caused a delay of game because the tight ends did not get set in time. So them following him around caused a delay of game. That is how impactful that man is. That is how scared offensive lines are of Miles Garrett. I mean, he's just, he's, he feels more explosive off the line too. You know, he's, he's reaching, he already was pretty high up as like a defensive player of the year every year, but he's getting to that category where it's kind of like, it's kind of like Aaron Donald where you need to double team him every, every possession. It's, he's crazy athletic. I mean, week one, he was doing the crossover moves over the center. It's just. He's having fun out there too. I mean, he's he's wrecking havoc all over, and he's leading that Cleveland pass rush, which looks really good this year. Now I know they brought in Zadarius Smith too, but it that, is clicking. That Zadarius Smith pickup has gone so under the radar, but there is there is no amount of money uh, that you could give me to put Jadavian Clowney back on this team. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's. Yeah, it was Darius Smith is miles ahead of what Jadavian Clowney was as a brass rusher, and you can just tell 
that with him being next to Miles Garrett, I mean, he's playing better, and Miles Garrett is playing infinitely better because you really can't. I mean, you have to double team him, but like the rest of that defensive line, especially now with Darius Smith, they're getting home if yeah. you're going to double team Miles Garrett. And like you said, he's getting to Aaron Donald levels. I mean, they're they're lining him up at linebacker and having him, you know, do stunts and go through the middle, go through the guards in the center, and he's they're not just using him as a pure pass rusher. And right now, for my money, as much as I like Nick Bosa, I think Miles Garrett is the best. See, it's between him and him or Watt. The the one of those two is the best defensive player in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, T.J. Watt had a good week too, but the fact that they're in the same division and it's just, oh god, I mean, it's scary for every quarterback in that what AFC North. And you know, a lot of people were a little panicked after uh, the Pittsburgh loss. Cleveland, I mean, they get the twenty-seven to three win. Um, I'm. They're going to do what they're going to do. I just feel like Pittsburgh always has their number. So I'm not – I think this Cleveland team can make a big run behind this defense and with Miles Garrett leading the way. Um, for my AFC, um, I this could be viewed as a homer, but I thought you know he had one of the standout games for an AFC defensive player. I went uh, my boy Matthew Judon. Matthew Judon in this game had four tackles. All were for tackles for a loss. Two sacks three quarterback hits, and a safety. I mean, he was everywhere for that Patriots defense. I know it's against Zach Wilson, but the fact that he was all over the field, causing pressure, stopping the run. Um, on the season, I believe he already has – he's got four sacks, so he's doing it every game. Put some respect on his name, okay? Matthew Judon, is, he's, doing, he's doing his thing out there in New England. It's good to see him healthy again. Um, and, you know, he's, he's back to doing Matthew Judon things. Um, that's a great pick. I mean, he was everywhere. Uh, I mean, the the Jets were kind of. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're really mounting a comeback because it's Zach Wilson, but there was signs of life until that safety, and yeah. then everything it was it was over after that. I, I mean, I'm I'm glad. Uh, I know we restructured his contract. Um, I think uh, he's been a great fit since he's been in New England. Well, um. We'll hop over to the NFC. Jordan, give me your NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Well, this guy has not been healthy uh, until recently, but Packers did it again at home against the Saints. They came back uh, in the fourth quarter. They were down 17-0 going into the fourth quarter. They won the game 18-17, 18 straight unanswered, and Rashawn Gary was a big reason why. He had three sacks in this game. Uh, he was a menace. And I think he is one of the most overlooked and underrated pass rushers in the entire NFL. A lot of people really don't mention his name when you talk about the best pass rushers. And he really should start getting more respect in that regard because he is a force. And this Packers defense looks so much better when he's on the field, which is the case for every star player, right? But he makes such a huge impact because he is easily their best pass rusher. He's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, like I said. Uh, he really he put his stamp on this game. Uh, he was a main reason why Green Bay was able to come back in the fourth quarter. He stopped a lot of drives by himself, him and Kenny Clark. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about this Green Bay defense a little bit going into the season, and we didn't know 
Um, if there was really that guy that can go out there and get you that play that you really need, he proved that he can do it, you know, and he got that last uh, quarter. Derek Carr goes out. Yeah, they replaced Jameis Winston. But the reason why Jameis Winston wasn't getting a lot of the passes off was because of him. Uh, great comeback win by Green Bay. That was, that was a shocker for me just because I saw New Orleans go up big and I'm like, man, you know, they're riding that momentum. This is the first time they've actually put some points up on the board in the first half. It seemed like there for New Orleans and Packers. What a win. My NFC Defensive Player of the Week, I'm going to stay in the same division. I'm going Brian Branch for the Detroit Lions. Uh, Detroit ended up winning 20-6. to six. Uh, Brian Branch, though, had 11 tackles, three tackles for a loss, two pass deflections. I mean, he was all over the field for Detroit, and he was doing his thing. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was out. He stepped up. Um, I mean, great win overall for Detroit. We, uh, you know, victory laps are meant to be taken immediately, so we will just continue to take ours every week here at Armchair GMs. We said it. Steal of the draft when Detroit got him, and he has done nothing but prove us right. I mean, I, I for, what pick did uh, he end up going in Detroit? Because I know they had multiple first round picks. Was it the uh, last sure. one? I'm very certain that it was their last. Pick. Yeah, I was gonna say, man. I mean, I I know what they say. Yeah, you don't take a safety high. You know, safeties usually don't go that high. But I mean, he'd be impactful. No, he was in. He was actually in the second round. Oh, he was second round overall. I I mean, any team could have used him throughout these three weeks. He's making plays all over the field. He's an Alabama product too. You know how they are. I mean, shame on everyone. I'm pretty sure you had him mocked tenth overall to the Eagles. I did because you know what? I was like, they lose C.G. Gardner Johnson. Let's uh, replace him with. Kind of a younger version of C.J. Gardner-Johnson, maybe yeah, a little bit better. I mean, I mean you had him yeah. top 10, and if it, if we had to redraft the draft right now, he probably goes top 10. I mean, listen, we... Could you imagine him in Philly, though? Never never wrong. Never yeah. wrong. Just early. <laughs> Just, I mean, yeah. I mean, we had it. We had the blueprint. Teams could have followed it. I mean, it is what it is, though. Hey, we'll, we'll get the credit someday. It's all right. But, um... We'll we'll go over to offensive player of the week. You want to start with NFC or AFC? Let's hop back over to the AFC because I want you to go first, actually. Okay. Because um, you've got a two for one special for us. I do. So we got a little two for deal going on. I went offensive players of the week. I for the Chargers. I went Herbert and Keenan Allen as a duo, just because I thought single handedly. They won that game for L.A. Um, shout out to Mike Williams. He probably would have been included in uh, the player of the weeks as well. He's going to miss the whole season with a torn ACL, and he's just one of those guys where it's like, what could have been? Because he just can't stay on the field every year. I mean, it's always an injury. feel bad for him because, you know, he, he has so much potential in the league. But um, I Justin Herbert on the day. 40 for 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, crazy. And then Keenan Allen also on here. Uh, I'm going to mention his receiving stats. 18 catches, 215 yards, no touchdowns. But that's okay. You want to know why? Because he ended up throwing a touchdown in this one. 
One for one, that's a perfect passer rating. 49 yards and a tutty. I mean, the man can, he's a five-tool receiver. I mean, come on. We were, we he threw he threw that touchdown to Mike Williams. Yeah, so uh, big connection there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I what what's Keenan Allen forty? I think he's like 31, yeah. 30, he two, looks something 40, like that. I will say. Eighteen for two fifteen on twenty targets, and the longest catch of the day was twenty five yards. I mean, think about getting open that many times yeah. underneath, and he was just carving them up. Uh, Mike Williams will definitely be missed on this offense, but big, big time for Quentin Johnston. Uh, see what the kid can do. But yeah, Tommy, the two for one special. I mean, how can you go wrong? Herbert 40 of 47 is insane. Even against the Minnesota In, defense. I mean, that's still really good. I mean, throwing the ball 47 times and only having seven incompletions yeah. is insane. And one sack. I mean, the offensive line held up for him too. Um, you talk about Keenan Allen, you know, he's he's open 24-7 like a Waffle House. I mean, absolutely, he's just all over the field making plays. I, that was a really exciting game overall. I didn't know who was going to win. It went down to the wire, as you, usually does for a Minnesota team. But, um, man, I didn't think L.A. was going to pull it off. And then the Minnesota fans was just a little bit too loud for Kirk Cousins. And they pull it off with, the, with his interception in the end zone, I believe. Yeah. I mean, they needed that win. They've moved to one and two. That's a big win. It kind of still keeps them alive in that division. I don't know. I I don't know how it'll go against Kansas City, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. And for my AFC Player of the Week, um, I kept it in the receiver room as well, but uh, I'm doing this biasly because as a dynasty owner i traded for him in the offseason jamar chase i've been waiting patiently well impatiently i've had multiple trade offers for him but i haven't traded him i've been waiting right and you know uh i said they shouldn't play burrow in this game and i was shocked that he was out there and i was even more shocked that on the first couple drives they came out really in the first half i mean i guess towards the end of the second quarter they started picking it up they came out with the same exact game plan like Joe Burrow was healthy. Listen, it's obvious he had to get the ball out quick, so move Jamar Chase and T. Higgins into the slots, closer to the line of scrimmage, have them run shorter routes, do shallower routes, so that you can get the ball in their hands. Scheme them open, or scheme them to Joe Burrow's ability. Kyle Shanahan does not ask Brock Purdy to hit Debo and Ayuk 50 yards out, you know, down the field on the outside of the numbers. He knows he can't do that. He puts those guys in spaces that Brock Purdy can hit. Why are we asking Joe Burrow on one leg to play like Joe Burrow on two legs? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, Tommy, all that said, about six minutes left in the second quarter, eight minutes left, Zach Taylor and uh, Brian Callahan, the, the light bulb went off, and they said, huh, we can put these guys in areas that Joe Burrow can hit. And Jamar Chase said, thank God I don't have to catch another bubble screen. And he went to the tune of 12 for 141. He had 15 targets. The longest catch of the day was 43 yards. That was not all air yards, by the way. It was probably like 20 air yards. And they actually were able to get a, a singular touchdown drive. A singular one. And they won this game 19 to 16. Joe Mixon put it in the end zone in that drive. 
but I'm giving the Offensive Player of the Week to Jamar Chase. 12 for 141, had 15 targets. Finally, they schemed him correctly where Joe Burrow could hit him. I mean, it works when Joe Burrow is healthy, right? The explosive plays, having him lined up on a boundary, asking him to beat his man all the time. That works when Joe Burrow is healthy and he can hit those shots. Right now, Joe Burrow, even if he can, you really don't want to risk him staying in the pocket that long. So I schemed him open. Jamar Chase had one of the best games of his career. No touchdowns. It's funny that this is the most catches he's ever had in a game in his career, but it's 125 yards less than the most he's ever had in his career. Was that uh was that other one against Baltimore? It was against Kansas City. Kansas City. Yeah, okay. 260, 266 yeah. in his rookie year. I think on nine catches or something like that. It was bonkers. I mean, this was his breakout game for the season. I, first two weeks, like you said, they they weren't skiing him right. Um he did way better than T. Higgins, I'll tell you that. T. Higgins uh was no show, which I think helped Jamar Chase a little bit. And, you know, he, he worked a lot near the first down, which is what they need to do right now. Because you can tell, Joe, Joe Burrow is not 100%. And no, he's not even close. I think it's closer to 50% than 100%. I mean, you can tell he's not getting a lot of power on that back foot. He's not as accurate at all in the deep ball. So I think it's going to be probably, what do you say, a month to two months before he's back to himself? Cap injuries yeah, are it's tough. Gonna, it's it's going to be a couple weeks at uh, least. And you got to think he's going to suit up every week, and you're going to yeah. hope that he doesn't have a setback. Total man. So it's gonna be his best friend. But um you know, I you know, watching this game and you brought it up last week, the the personnel for the Cincinnati team, it was kinda of like the first week, like what or first two weeks, what are we doing? Like you're not playing to your team's strengths. I don't know. Is Zach Taylor on the hot seat this year? If um I mean to me he should have been on the hot seat. Ever since the Super Bowl loss, um, I know he got him to the Super yeah. Bowl, but I mean, last season they started out slow. This season they started out slow. Like you can't afford that with how good they in AC that North division. Is. Yeah. Yes, and you can't afford this. And the thing is, it's different if they were losing shootouts, right? Yeah. If they if the offense starts out hot and they're losing because another team puts up forty, that's fine. That's a defensive coordinator thing. Whatever we can fix that. It's the offense that starts out slow every season. And we can't have that. Not especially not with an offensive coach. Which, you know, that is pretty shocking. I always feel like because the weapons are there. It's not like and the offensive line I feel like is holding up way better than it did the last or compared to the last two years, uh the first couple weeks. And Joe Mixon, he was I thought he had a really solid game too in um against the Rams. They just they barely ran the ball in this game. They threw a lot where I thought with Burrow was hurt, so it's very interesting. I don't know. I just feel like you brought up last week. It is a weird year because they might just blame, oh, well, Joe was hurt, and we can't really afford to get rid of our coach. But I I feel like you can. If if things go south, I, I would say pull the trigger and make the personnel change because there's – I don't think it's a talent problem with this team. I think it's a coaching problem. As, as I am 100% with you, and they should be thanking the Colts for beating the Ravens because yeah. if they, you know, if they were 1 and 2 and the Ravens were 3 and 0, oh, it'd be even tougher, but they're lucky that the Ravens are now 2 and 2 or 2 and 1. So we'll uh we'll go on to our last MVPs of the week. What's your NFC offensive player of the week? 
keeping it in the receiver room. Uh, another, the the LSU product, another LSU product, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, uh, their buddy, Justin Jefferson. Even in the loss, he had a chance to be the first NFL receiver ever to start the season with three straight 150-yard weeks. Unfortunately, that did not happen. He only had 149 yards. Seven for 149 in a touchdown. Second half when, you know, the Vikings were coming back, as they usually do. It was the Kirk Cousins-Justin Jefferson connection that was getting them there. Uh, every week he comes out and proves again and again that he is the best receiver in the NFL by a pretty good margin. And he's always adding new wrinkles to his game. And, I mean, it's just he's a savant. It's beautiful to watch him play the game of football. And uh, we need to appreciate his entire career. Yeah, I mean, he's been special, I feel like, since day one there in Minnesota. Um, him and Big Kirko are probably the only two bright spots in Minnesota right now for the Vikings. I mean, did Jefferson sign his extension yet? No. I was, that number keeps going higher and higher every week, I feel yes. like. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, he's playing for uh, free agency right now. I feel like he's that market for him is probably going to go up after this season. Who knows? Maybe uh, and we talked about Jamar Chase, AFC, maybe they come together. Maybe Justin Jefferson's like, no, I don't want an extension. Down the line, maybe maybe the boys are back in town there in Cincinnati. Maybe, maybe, I mean, probably not. But it'd be it'd be very interesting to watch. Get Coach O. We were just talking oh, about the, we were just we talking were. about changing coaches. But, Coach I mean, O. Justin Jefferson goes to yeah. goes to the Bengals. Oh my God, we're onto something. Cincinnati. Well, really not. Coach yeah. Coach O has no. <laughs> do not go to the NFL. But not. you know. It'd be, it'd be eh, I don't know if he's maybe back. Instead of, listen, maybe instead of Coach O, we get Ben Johnson, all right? Ben yeah. Johnson from Detroit, get Justin Jefferson in Cincinnati, you know, get the boys back together, maybe get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from yeah. Kansas City. He's really cheap, you know. I mean, that offense was electric in LSU. Thaddeus Moss, I yeah. don't know. I don't think he's I, still in the NFL. I think he but, retired, you know, he, yeah. He can come back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Irv Smith Jr. might just fill that role pretty pretty much the same. Fair but enough. um, my NFC Player of the Week, I'm also keeping in the receiver room. Uh, we love receivers here on Armchair GMs. We love running backs, too. We think they should be paid a lot more. But receivers just had a big week across the board. I went, even though they lost by 10, I'm going Adam Thielen for Carolina. Adam Thielen and Andy Dalton were doing their best to keep this game from not going the wrong way. I mean... Thielen, 11 catches, 145 yards, one touchdown, averaging about 13 catch or 13 yards a catch. I mean, I look at this performance, I look at the first two weeks, the first two weeks for him, uh, two catches, 12 yards, seven catches, 54 yards, and then he just exploded against the Seattle secondary. Um, I mean... I did not expect this game from him at all. Even I knew he was going to be good in Carolina, you know, as a security blanket, a safety valve for Bryce Young. But, I mean, he was wide receiver one this week, and he just, he just ran with it. I mean, it was a very impressive yeah, I mean, performance. It was, it was a turn back the clock game for him. Uh, Adam Thielen was a very underrated receiver for most of his career. Had a two- or three-year stretch where he could have been put in the top five conversation every year. Um, you know, maybe even higher than that. He might have been the best. So it was good to see him go off this week. And, uh, you know, it is, it almost made my head scratcher list, this Carolina team. 
But uh, it's kind of weird how good Andy Dalton managed this offense and how bad yeah. Bryce Young has looked. But I have a theory for that, and I think it's the protection. The protection was much better for Andy Dalton because they're in six-man pass pro and seven-man pass pro a lot more than they have been with Bryce Young. Bryce Young, they've been playing a lot of five-man pass pro, and I think he's only completing like 50% of his passes in five-man, but when he's in six-man plus, he's completing like 75% of his passes. So something to look at if the you're The keys Carolina. are there. It's on tape. Men lie, women lie, but the film don't lie. That's all exactly. Carolina's got to do. Break it down. Get some protection around there from Bryce Young. And is uh is he supposed to miss another week with the ankle injury or they one said... to two weeks? Okay. So he might miss. He might miss one more. He might play this week. Who knows? I was gonna say maybe he goes off next for Carolina. Because Andy Dalton had I think around three hundred and forty yards in this game. So it's like if, if Andy Dalton can do it, I think Bryce Young can do it in the offense, but we'll wait and see. But give me your head I love I love this segment, the head scratchers of the week for you. Let's hear some gripes that you have. Like, you know, I always say this when I when I talk about them. This is not necessarily – well, it is issues. I have issues with this. But it's it's just things that make me go, hmm, things that make me scratch my head. What's going Think, on in that yeah, organization? <laughs> things, that, things that have me questioning yeah. whether this can continue or not. And to start it off, I hate to pick on them because it's been such a traumatic last two years for this organization. But I'm going back to New York, uh, the Jets. I'm scratching my head this week because after I've watched Zach Wilson, and I said, what, last week it wasn't really his fault against Dallas, I will admit. This week it was 100%, 150, 3,000, a million, billion, trillion percent on him. If they had better quarterback play, they would have beat the Patriots. So I'm scratching my head as to why we signed Trevor Simeon and why we aren't questioning, is there anyone better than Zach Wilson? There has to be something. There has to be something. I I mean, at this point, you're doing him a disservice continuing to start him. Because it is so obvious, so clear, he is not capable of being an NFL caliber quarterback right now. Now, draft pedigree's there. I think he has talent. So I don't think he should be out of the league, but he's not anywhere near ready as a professional and, and you know, as a professional and mature person off the field, but also as a quarterback on the field, he's not ready to lead an NFL team for any extended period of time. So you're doing a disservice keeping, keeping him on the field. So why, why are we not doing something about it? Yeah. And you know, you saw on the sidelines, I don't know how much you watched that game. I watched a little bit more uh, compared to the others on the Sunday ticket. But, I mean, they were blowing up on the sidelines. Everyone was just pissed off. They couldn't get the run game going, too, which I feel like they they desperately need to get the run game going because it helps him way more. Just, he doesn't have to throw as much. Well, Tommy, I mean, it's and you're talking about the sidelines, yeah. but let's just keep it simple. This I've never seen a quarterback well, so I, bad. I was I was gonna get back to that. I was gonna say, okay. you know, they they had a problem because they put all their eggs in on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they ever thought about what would happen if he did get hurt. They were just like, Oh yeah, he's gonna play every game for us. Injuries happen and they did not prepare for it. Because if they were prepared, they would have got another veteran 
and Zach Wilson would have been QB3 because he still learns under Aaron Rodgers. There's no difference. I think, believe it or not, I think it was Jay Cutler who on CBS talked about it. Um, you know, he he looks lost out there, Zach Wilson. You know, he, going into the year, it was probably supposed to be a relaxing year for him. Probably never plays. He learns under Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. And then he gets thrusted in week one, and it's kind of like the Jets didn't prepare for this, and we saw it. I mean, they sh- they should have no, had I mean, another veteran quarterback. It is it is such a specific cadence. It's a, such a specific relationship that he has with Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazar. Yeah. You know how I want you to run my routes. How you know what the run game's gonna look like. What the audibles are gonna sound like and look like with Aaron Rodgers. He's a very meticulous quarterback. He wants control of the offense. That's why they hired Nathaniel Hackett because him and Aaron Rodgers have worked together. So when they brought in Nathaniel Hackett as the OC. They were pretty much giving the keys to the offense to Aaron Rodgers in a sense. He's going to go up there. He's going to call the plays at the line. He, you know, he's going to check out if he doesn't like it. Everything's very meticulous. They practice this with Aaron Rodgers. Not Zach Wilson. Not Zach Wilson. And uh, Tommy, I've never seen a quarterback so bad that the entire offense is incapable of getting anything going. Yeah. Think about a guy like Joshua Dobbs, who I don't think is necessarily good. I mean, I, he's he's a below-average quarterback, like, for being real. Yeah. He's a veteran. He's very smart. I mean, the guy's a genius. Like, he's probably the smartest NFL player maybe of all time. Like, he's... Him and Ryan I think Shannon Sharp said it. Like, yeah. Like, he's a, like he's a genius. Yeah. Like, he's a NASA scientist smart. So, I'm sure that he can read a defense. He can, you know, check. He knows how to count for protection. He can do all that. But as a quarterback, the th- arm talent, making the throws, like that's something that limits him. But he might be able to guide this Jets team to the playoffs, if we're being honest. So when you have a guy like Joshua Dobbs, who can do it, and Zach Wilson can't, and I think Joshua Dobbs is probably the bottom-tier spectrum of quarterbacks, because, I mean, the guy has bounced around rosters, hasn't even stayed on a roster. Yeah. He's not even a veteran that can, you know, like a Chad Henney who always stayed on a roster. It's it's impossible to believe that Zach Wilson can continue to start week in and week out. And I think they had this fantasy, and Rodgers is going to be here for two years. We're going to get 34, 36 games out of him. And then Zach Wilson's going to come in on the last year of his rookie contract, and he's going to be this brand-new quarterback. He's going to be the guy that we yeah. wanted when we drafted him second overall because he learned under Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to happen. First, that was never going to happen, and it's definitely not going to happen now. Like you said, they should have probably traded him for a third or a fourth or kept him at QB three and picked up another vet. And Trevor Simeon is better is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. And he's pretty bad. It, I mean, we saw it, what happened. Yeah, he's awful. And I, think it, and I think it's a half measure, to be honest with you. I think it's them saying, the fans are killing us right now. We know that he's not good. All of our receivers know he's not good. All of our running backs know he's not good right now. He's not the guy. He's not He's not even close to being ready. Let's go out and sign somebody. But also, let's make it somebody that he could realistically compete with so we can still keep him in as a starter and just bench him, maybe, if things get super, super bad, which I think they're already there. And it's Trevor Simeon. I don't know there's not a readily available quarterback. You don't really want to go get Matt Ryan. You, no. Philip Rivers, Tom Brady aren't coming out of retirement. I understand all that. But Carson Wentz is out there. I think he's respectable enough that if you sign him, your organization, your players are going to think, okay, at least they tried to upgrade. They understand. Your players aren't sitting here saying, 
Go get Patrick Mahomes. Go yeah. trade for Lamar Jackson. Go, Just you know, they get may someone start, who can game manage. That's it. They they may start clamoring for Kirk Cousins if the Vikings continue to do bad. But you weren't you. Aaron Rodgers can't come back, Tommy, if you don't make the playoffs. This whole he's coming back for the playoffs. You weren't making the playoffs with Zach Wilson. I don't know if you make them with Carson Wentz. And that is a stretch, I feel like, even if Rodgers does come back for the playoffs. We don't know what he's going to look like coming off that Achilles injuries, too. I mean, he could be totally different. So like I just said, having a mature quarterback like a Joshua Dobbs, who has led a Cardinals team that has a million times less talent, a million times less talent defensively, this defense is a top 10 unit. Yeah. And then running, you have a, a really good running back in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. So your offense, even though the offensive line is horrendous, he could do something with this team. Joshua Dobbs could. Again, he might lead you to the playoffs. He might not. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how good Joshua Dobbs actually is. I'm just basing this off his previous starts. He hasn't been good, but he's looked okay at the Cardinals. But Zach Wilson's horrible. He's horrible. And you are doing a disservice to that young man to keep him on that field. He's not ready. You're ruining any chance he has at a future career. Get him off the field. So I'm scratching my head on why we, why there's no one better than Zach Wilson. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Carson Wentz because, honestly, that's probably the best free agent. Because Matt Ryan and all them, like I said, they're not coming back. Matt Ryan is in the CBS booth every week now. He's not in game shape. He will get killed behind that Jets offensive line. When it comes to free agents, the only ones I could really think of are Carson Wentz and probably Colt McCoy. I think that's one of the best two options that you can go for because there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are free agents still. But I'm before the whole Derek Carr thing, I always thought, you know, maybe they go out and try to trade Jameis Winston because he's probably didn't look good last week, but he might be one of the best backups that you have out there that's available. Other guys Maybe maybe see if uh, the Giants give up Tyrod Taylor. You know, he's been in the league Drew for a Locke. while. Drew Locke. And then uh, Marcus Mariota in Philly. I mean, there's guys out oh, there. Yes. It is not necessarily about Zach Wilson's talent because I think that there is talent there. He got drafted second overall because he's a good playmaker off the platform. He had decent arm talent. He had good mobility. But, Tommy, like you said, he's lost. Yeah. He he can't tap into any of that because he doesn't know what he's seeing. He can't read a defense to save his life. And he doesn't know how to call an offense. He can't be on the field because mentally he's, he's not, not mature enough yeah. to be on the field. It's really just that simple. I understand that they're going to say, well, Zach Wilson's talent is better than Trevor Simeon. He's better than Matt Ryan. He's better than any of these guys we could bring out of retirement. Maybe he's even better talent. I mean, I don't think he's better talent-wise than Carson Wentz, but they may be saying this because of where they drafted him and what their pre-draft evaluations were. I understand all that. He can't tap into it. He's not mature enough to tap into it. He has no idea what's going on. And it shows. It shows every week so far. I have- it's just a bad look for the Jets organization as a whole, too. Because you're, yeah, and you're and you're ruining this this defense, and you're going to get the players to a point where they're yeah. going to be extremely upset. I mean, I think you can already tell too. Robert Sala's upset. I, I mean, he he went up there after the last game and said Zach is the best guy moving forward. I don't know if he 100 percent believes that, but I mean, you can tell week in and week out he is devastated because he knows like. Zach Wilson's out there. This defense is going to have to hold the other team to 
three to ten points if we want to win. Yeah, I mean they you get to you get past the ten point mark and it I don't think yeah. it's possible for yeah. this team to win with Zach Wilson. Um but enough of that. Uh, stop and ragging on the Jets. I have two more head scratchers for you and I'm gonna go back to Detroit with this one. Um This is a two for really. Why did we trade DeAndre Swift to to, to the best team in the NFC, the maybe? best team in the NFC, and then draft Jameer Gibbs at 12 to use him As a, like we use yeah. DeAndre Swift. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's... I don't know. I, I don't really understand this whole thing where DeAndre Swift was bad. I mean, they kind of gaslit us all into thinking that he was bad, but I can clearly tell you, which again, it's, you know... Philly's offensive line is really, really good. But Detroit's offensive line is also really, really good. But DeAndre Swift looks ridiculous. I mean, he looks so much more explosive than Gibbs has looked in the Detroit offense. Which is shocking because that was the whole big thing with Gibbs is he's explosive. You know, he's quick. So and you you see how they're using him and they see how they're giving them usage and I understand sometimes relationships don't work out you just got to move on I get that I'm scratching my head on why we're using Gibbs and it, all I heard about was we're gonna get him in space we're gonna get him in space we're gonna get him in space he had two targets he had two targets he had 17 carries and they ran him between the tackles the entire time he's not that type of back he's not. DeAndre Swift is a better between-the-tackles runner. So if you wanted to run him between the tackles, you should have just kept DeAndre Swift. Even if the relationship wasn't working out, then he, he was at least productive. When, too. He was, yeah, he was productive when he was on the field. We got to use Jameer Gibbs better. So it's really a twofer. Why did we draft DeAndre Swift, or why did we trade DeAndre Swift to the, to the Eagles for pennies on the dollar just to use Jameer Gibbs the, the same exact way? Uh, I think they'll clear that up. That's not a long-term issue for me. It's just something I find interesting right now three weeks in. And my last one is the Ravens' inability to create explosive plays. Scratching my head on this offense, and I I understand they've had some major injuries. Odell's out. Dobbins is lost for the year. Um, But it seems like whatever they try, by week four, it doesn't, no matter what, their top skill position players are going to be Willie Sneed and Melvin Gordon every season. That's what happens with maybe Kenyon Drake Baltimore. Too. Yeah, but we're three weeks into the season, and I haven't been overly impressed with this offense at all. I think Zay Flowers is very—he's he's as advertised. He moves different, but Mark Andrews really has been quiet. I understand J.K. Dobbins is out, but the run game really hadn't gotten going until this game where Lamar was excellent he was excellent 14 for 104 or 101 on the ground with two touchdowns but from the pocket he was 22 or 31 for 202 yards and the Colts were blitzing him every play and he he really did some damage from the pocket but his he they couldn't create any explosive plays down the field and I don't really know why so you have Zay Flowers there you have Mark Andrews there you have Rashad Bateman there Odell, I don't think it's a long-term injury for him. You even have Isaiah Likely. So the run game thing, I get it. But you also have Lamar Jackson. You'll be able to fix that. But passing-wise, receiving-wise, I I was a big believer in Todd Munkin changing the way this offense 
ran and created plays down the field, and right now they haven't done it. It's looked like the same offense. That's what I was going to say. It it looks exactly like the offense from the last couple of years. I expected, you know, Lamar. Maybe I get that, like, two of the games, the weather conditions really weren't in their favor. Yeah. I get that. But I don't know, man. I You got to let him at least, you know, throw the ball deep, you know, beyond the first down. Because I feel like most of his throws – are just like dinks and dunks sometimes, and it's like don't yeah, and it's like it's it's not a long term issue for me. Yeah. Again, just like the Swift thing, but let's I mean let's again, clean it like up. Weather conditions, yeah. so we gotta we gotta get something going down the field yeah. to open up this playbook. The only head scratcher that I have any long term issues with is the Zach Wilson thing because I don't see an end in sight because I don't think the yeah. Jets are going to admit that he's not the guy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a tough look for the organization because they know they messed up and they don't want to bite the bullet on it. But um, we'll we'll end it today with we're going quick thoughts for each team based off of uh everything from last week. Uh, we'll start with that Thursday night game. Niners beat the Giants thirty to twelve. Uh, keep it simple, stupid kiss. Uh, we just keep doing what we're good at, and the Niners will keep winning. How about for the Giants? Giants. Daniel Jones can't be this bad every week. And then um, we'll go Sunday games. Browns beat the Titans 27-3. to uh, Deshaun Watson bounce back. He looked really, he looked pretty good this week. And Titans trending towards a rebuild. And I think you should have just started it this offseason. One thing uh, I think it was brought up between our last episode. I don't know if you saw the reports. They're saying Nick Chubb uh, likely only tours MCL. I mean, that is, what that the is reports. crazy. I mean, that's, that's miraculous. Yes. If that's the truth. Miraculous. I, I really hope it is because if he's able to come back from that, and after the two injuries he's had, amazing. Um. Lions Falcons Lions twenty to six. Same old, same old for both of these teams. It was a typical Detroit offense, and Desmond Ritter's one week of average quarterback play has come crashing down back to in inabilitating this offense from doing anything. Yeah, um, watching this game, I thought you know Detroit they played their brand of football in this one. They got back to their roots. For the Falcons, if that run game's not working, there is nothing else in this offense it looks like that they have planned I mean, for. He had he had Kyle Pitts yeah. wide open on an eighty five yard touchdown. I, I just I, and, I don't want I don't want to go over <laughs> I can't and overthrew him. I can't. I can't. You know how I already feel. I feel like they should, they could have got someone way better than Desmond Ritter. But it is what it is. We'll move we'll move on. Uh, Packers beat the Saints eighteen to seventeen. Uh, get well soon, Derek Carr. For the Packers, I don't know how you keep doing it. At some point, Jordan Love is going to stop getting touchdowns like every four pass attempts. Okay, at some this is not sustainable. At some point, this is going to come to an end. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Saints had this one. I thought the defense looked really good in the first half. Um. Pray that Derek Carr is okay, because if he is okay, you might be 
the front, depending on how Atlanta bounces back, you probably are the front runners for that division. Maybe you squeak into a divisional round after the wild card. Um, as for Green Bay, I I didn't think Jordan Love looked that great. He he showed flashes again some plays, but I I don't know what it is. He he keeps do, doing like this fadeaway throw. I I don't get it. He leans back and throws it. It it looks very weird. I. I don't know. I'm just not sold on them yet. But overall, they're squeaking out wins, and every game, or the past two games have been close where it could go either way for them, so very impressive. Um, Broncos-Dolphins, uh, we talked about the start. Uh, Dolphins 70, Broncos 20. Anything else you want to add? Mike McDaniel's masterclass, and I'm that's that's my yeah. statement for both teams. Yeah. <laughs> We'll move on to Chargers, Vikings, Chargers, 28-24. Bounce back win for the Chargers. Vikings, you're on the clock. It's <laughs> time to start making some decisions. Justin Herbert is him. I mean, him, Tua, probably front runner for MVP in my opinion. They're both doing great out there. So, as for Vikings, um, if it gets any worse... Start taking calls for Kirk Cousins. See what you can get and rebuild. Um, Patriots, Jets, Patriots 15, Jets 10. I mean, I talked about it a lot just, you know, a couple minutes ago. But for the Patriots, this was a very Patriots win. Um, Still, the offense, you got to get better offensively. Like the receivers, we got to do something uh, game plan-wise because you're not going to upgrade from the receivers. Jets. What could have been? Jets, I'd go out, upgrade somewhat a little bit, get a game manager. Uh, Patriots, wide receivers need to catch the ball. I mean, Mac had some bad throws, I will say, but they got to start making plays because every throw can't be perfect. Um, but I w- they did get the run game going, which was missing the first two weeks. Uh, Bills, Commanders, Bills 37-3. to Sam Howell, sanity run is over, and uh, typical Josh Allen performance. I mean, Bills, they've bounced back since week one, but they I can't wait for Miami versus Buffalo. That's going to be really – that's a tough test for both teams. As for Washington, come back down to earth a little bit. Um, we'll see where they go from here. Uh, probably up one of the biggest upsets of the week, Texans – Defeat the Jaguars thirty-seven to seventeen. I I know I I mocked Bryce Young one hundred and one. Yeah. I know because I know you had CJ Stroud one hundred and one. But Tommy, I don't know if I said this on camera. I may have never said it on the podcast, but I definitely have said it to you. What did I say about CJ Stroud? I, I said he's him. Yeah. I said yeah, he said he called himself a ball placement specialist. I loved that. I used it on the podcast. He's him. He is him. He's going to break this curse of Ohio State quarterbacks. He's doing it behind a, one of the worst offensive lines in football because they're all injured. And he's balling. Playing he's great. not making mistakes. Yeah. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in that division, division. already. Like, it, you know, and he has played phenomenally. He's been the best rookie by far. I mean, Anthony Richardson missed this week, but even – with Anthony Richardson being healthy, C.J. Stroud has done nothing but play mistake-free football and put up numbers. And I know some of them were in garbage time, but this game was not. 
They dominated. I mean, it it was like they did they lead the whole game. It felt like it. Yes, and I I know Houston. I think they. I forget what the record was for the past five or ten matchups against Jacksonville. They kind of always have their number. But see, there were worries about C.J. Stroud coming into the draft about uh, his like, football IQ. I'm sure you've seen the memes with uh, him. He was Radiohead. So um, I, I'm i with you. He's probably – I'm not saying 100% he'll break the curse, but he's progressing towards that because the other Ohio State quarterback is looking like it's continuing the trend. But we'll talk about that in a couple more games. Um, as for Jacksonville, anything you want to add there? Trevor Lawrence is cooking, but it's not showing up in the box score. I thought he had some really good throws in this game. His receivers just got to start bringing them in. And if I was Jacksonville, you know, you are one and two right now. I wouldn't panic. You got a lot of season left. You guys do, you guys are doing things good on both sides of the ball. They're just not co-exciting. It's either offense looks really good or the defense looks really good. Um, Colts Ravens, Colts overtime win. You called this one, twenty-two to nineteen. Um, uh, it was just a messy game for yeah. both sides. Really, it looked it really looked like both of these teams wanted to lose. So for the Colts, massive win. Um, really puts you ahead of schedule. Um, because they've looked amazing. This, I mean, Shane Steichen has really called yeah. some really good. Uh games and the defense looks the best it's looked in a couple of years so maybe you are a legitimate contender in this division with how the titans have looked and for the ravens just it's one of those games that happen i mean it's You'll get said, your get we back. gotta get yeah. yeah we gotta get your weapons going in the receiving game but it's just it's it happens i mean like you said it's a messy game you know that favored the colts a little bit you got to get healthy too. You can't keep having the same injuries over and over every season. It feels like. Uh, next game: Seahawks thirty-seven, Panthers twenty-seven. Andy Dalton still got something in there. He still got a little bit of gas in the tank. And for uh, Seattle, another uh, kept the momentum going. Like I said yeah. last week, it was a very Seattle-esque game. I feel like it, it had exciting plays. Maybe underperformed a little bit on the defense, but. Overall, great win. Uh, Carolina, Andy Dalton, I think, looks better than his last couple of years in Cincinnati. I mean, he's turning back the clock, I feel like. They're letting him air it out. They kind of let him air it out in New Orleans when he was starting. But um, he's moving a little bit differently down there in Carolina right now. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Josh McCown as quarterback coach. You never know. Um, next, oh, next game, here we go. Chiefs 41, Bears 10. For the Chiefs, um, yeah, this is what the offense is yeah. supposed to look like. And um, for the Bears, Taylor Swift was shown more on my TV, oh, yeah, and on on the Red Zone Channel yeah. than your offense. Yeah, I mean, is that does is that. Does that say enough? If you want me, let me say more. The team that just got blown out by 70 or 50, sorry, got put the 70 put up on them. I think Shannon Sharp said they, I think Shannon Sharp said they got a 50 burger put on them and then got 20 flats for free. Okay. That team is a two and a half point favorite coming into your stadium. 
I mean, we've been duped. There is nothing, nothing this offense has done that inspires any type of confidence at all. And last game, it, it looked like the previous years of Justin Fields. It really did. He showed no improvement. All that progress he made it's in out the second the half of last season is gone. He looks it's gone. Yeah. I, I know he didn't throw the ball a lot, but it was kind of like, what are we doing? What's the point in trading for DJ Moore? I get that he had like over 100 yards still, but like, what was the point? Because look how much they gave up in that trade, I feel like. And it's like, come on. Um, yeah. I mean, Chief, Chiefs were the Chiefs. Um, Cardinals. The Bears were the Bears. Yeah. It was a typical game. And then Taylor Swift was there, if you guys haven't heard. Definitely hasn't been all over social media. Uh, Cardinals 28, Cowboys 16. How about them Cowboys? They're going to Cowboy. They, this is, they, it always happens. Every year they lose games that they should not have any business losing. And for the Cardinals, Rocket Man, Joshua Dobbs. I hope the story continues. It's a really feel good story. Couldn't happen to a better guy. And, uh, and, and it's good to see him get some success at the NFL level. For Cardinals, build off this, keep fighting, and they've been in a close game every week. They could easily be 3-0 and right now. So, I mean, they're doing something really well, I think. Just keep improving. As for Dallas, get the offensive line healthy and stay disciplined. I mean, there were just so many penalties in that game where that could have been avoided, with its, whether it was offsides, whether it was false starts. I mean, three offensive linemen, it's just something you got to clean up. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all for me for that one. And then we move to oh Sunday night games, Steelers, Raiders, Steelers, 23 Raiders, 18 before you, I thought the Steelers were going to blow it. I really did at first with, uh, offensive play calling. Prime time picket. I was actually impressed with his performance. Matt Canada is still on the football terrorist list. Yeah. This run game is still horrendous. Um, and for the Raiders, Josh, this is life. Josh McDaniels, your head coach. You got to get used to it. Um, I texted you during this game. I I don't know if you saw it too. Matt Canada has a more prominent role now of Kenny Pickett in development. Yes, I saw so that. I was like, yeah. that's a bold. Definitely, definitely what he needed. Yeah, that's bold. But um, Najee Harris looks slow, man. I don't know what it is. I, he just does not look explosive at all. I get that some of it is play calling. But still, when he was in space for the little bit, he did not look that great. I think Jalen Warren might be the better back. I mean, I, I told you, I between him and Peyton Manning in a 40-yard dash, I don't know if there's that much of a difference. It's it's getting pretty close. Um, Eagles, Buccaneers, Eagles 25, Bucks 11. Welcome to the DeAndre Swift show. Um, he's putting up numbers right now for the Eagles. It was a good game from them. And for Tampa Bay, box scores could be deceiving. I thought they actually played pretty good in this game. Baker Mayfield made some mistakes. Mike Evans dropped a touchdown. But overall, it's uh, not enough for me to, to move off of them just yet. I think that this team has got a little bit more juice than I thought they did. Yeah, Philly, they're kind of back to their bread and butter. The run game's working for them. Passing game, they got things going a little bit more. A.J. Brown ended up getting over 100 yards. He still hasn't caught a touchdown yet, which is kind of shocking with how prominent he is in um, the offense. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts, I thought solid game, couple picks, but didn't really matter in the end. As for the Bucks, I I think Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's looked horrible the first three weeks. You know, he looks like he can be a game manager. He's he's. I know he had a pick, but most of the plays that he is, or most of the throws he are making, they've been very smart, and you know he's not turning the ball over as much. So I'm interested to see how they build off of this because, you know, we're both big fans of Kyle Trask. I I personally wanted him to start over Baker for a little bit. I could see why now. You know, I, there was a lot of in the offseason where Baker was like, ah, he's looked kind of bad. I don't know. I think he's doing just fine there in Tampa right now. Um. Rams, Bengals, Bengals 19, Rams 16. We, we schemed yep. somebody open. Yep. Thank God. Uh, for the Bengals and for the Rams, probably should have figured out if Kyron Williams was actually good or not before we uh, we decided to, to move off Cam Akers. Uh, was not impressed with the Rams. The offensive line took a step back. Stafford got sacked six times. Run game wasn't there. They they didn't have time to let any real big plays develop. So this was a this was definitely a step back for the Rams. Yeah, Bengals, like you said, they they finally did something right in the in the passing game. Um, build off this, I'd say, and keep scheming games around Joe Burrow getting short passes right now. Have the wide receivers create separation very. Um, Close to him because they can do it. I mean, the wide receiver room is very talented. So, and as for the Rams, um, when Cooper Cup gets back, this might be a scary wide receiver trio. I will say they didn't. I didn't think they looked that great overall as a team. There were holes on the defense where I was kind of like, huh? They're kind of going back to the former selves, and the offensive line didn't hold up. But Nakua and uh, Atwell, I think, are very solid. And they're going to be great next to Cooper Cup. Um, anything else you want to add for this episode? Nope. That will do it for us today. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Armchair GMs. We hope you guys enjoyed. See you.